Ladies and gentlemen, start your stopwatches because you're listening to the dispatches on the clock and that means we're going to spend the next 15 minutes or less... Okay, so this is another one of those episodes where we're going to take a little bit longer than 15 minutes because we're going to be talking about some concerning and highly questionable claims about Māori and abortion that have been made in a document published by the New Zealand Ministry of Health. Okay, so in late 2021, about a year and a bit after the introduction of the more extreme Abortion Legislation Act 2020, which was one of Jacinda Ardern's personal pet projects, which introduced a more extreme and very, very liberal uh, abortion law into New Zealand, effectively allowing, according to the experts I've spoken to, these are legal experts, uh, for abortion right up to and even during birth, if you can find an abortionist who is willing to do that in New Zealand. So a very, very extreme version of the abortion law. Late in 2021, as a follow-up to that, a document was published by the New Zealand Ministry of Health called New Zealand Aotearoa Abortion Clinical Guideline. Now, the bit that I'm interested in is page 39. It's an appendix titled Abortion and Māori, historical context, and this is what we read. Before the Treaty of Waitangi was signed in 1840, Māori people initiated safe and effective abortions within their whānau and hapū. It goes on to say this, No stigma was associated with an abortion that was initiated. Simply, it was understood by all that Māori had tino rangateratanga, or the self-determining right over their bodies to initiate an abortion. After 1840, the colonising process put an end to the self-determining right of Māori to control their reproductive health and initiate an abortion. As a consequence, whānau, hapu and iwi knowledges about initiating abortions were subjugated. Māori have been deprived of these knowledges for more than 200 years. By 2020, the shame and stigma associated with abortion had become entrenched in Māori communities. Just as a side note, by the way, you'll see what they're doing there, right? They're trying to say that the Abortion Legislation Act 2020 was actually an act of emancipating Māoridom from a stigma and a shame associated with abortion that had been imposed upon them by the colonising Europeans. This is very, very typical of the liberal and modern progressive approach to moral and ethical questions. The tendency is to say that the only reason people might feel shame about doing a particular act is because of some imposition of guilt uh, and this is done through doctrine that comes from Christianity. So Christianity tells you it's bad, and that's why you feel bad. You've been socially conditioned. But if we get rid of all the rules and all the previous prohibitions, and we say to you, it's all good, do what you will, then all of a sudden you won't feel shame or stigma anymore. Of course, this is an utter nonsense, because the violence of abortion ends the life of a living human being. No one walks away unless they are truly callous and says, oh yeah, abortion was fine, it was all good, it's been destigmatized, there's no problem here. Because there is something very real here that's got nothing to do with any particular religious concept or belief regarding morality and ethics. Instead, it's the fundamental truth that there is a living human being in a womb and abortion brings about the end of the life of that living, innocent human being. 
And any culture that says, well, we don't have any shame or stigma associated with that kind of happening is a culture that is in real trouble. They go on to say this, though, the final paragraph on page 39, the Abortion Legislation Act 2020, in combination with the principles of Te Tiriti o Waitangi, provides whānau, hapu and iwi with the opportunity to revitalise their older knowledges and practices for abortion. The intention is for Māori in the context of abortion to enact their rangatiratanga or self-determining rights and mana motahaki or autonomy over their bodies and their reproductive health and well-being. Now here's the concerns and the highly questionable nature about all of this. Number one is that this appendix is making claims that I think are extremely doubtful. What they're effectively suggesting is that pre-European Māoridom had a view of self-determination where the radical, autonomous, self-choosing individual was actually considered to be of paramount importance. What they're effectively suggesting here is that the modern and very, very recent, it's only in the last couple of decades where this ideology has really taken hold in a big way, but the modern ideology regarding abortion and abortion, autonomy, etc., was actually consistent with how Māori viewed themselves and their place in society and their ability to make decisions about their life and their bodies, etc. That is, at best, a dubious claim, and that's absolute best, because here's the thing. These ideas came on the back of the Enlightenment philosophers, So enlightenment philosophy is the thing that gives rise to the notion of human beings as autonomous, radical, reasoning, self-choosing individuals. That is not traditional. It's not how we viewed ourselves through most of history. I would also argue that it is a belief about humanity that is both wrong and highly destructive and I think is also currently undergoing a major state of collapse because it's caused a lot of carnage and the sort of the logical endpoint of the sort of radical autonomy doctrine is doing serious harm now and it's effectively deconstructing entire societies. Now, here's the thing though. Prior to the Europeans arriving in New Zealand, the Māori, who were a tribal people and even more so than what they are today, as all tribal peoples did, in fact, all human beings did, they viewed themselves and their lives in the context of the communal nature of their lives. So what that means is this, that you're part of a family, first of all, and then those families are grouped together in tribes, and then those tribes are grouped together in what we would consider to be nations. And so the whole thing is that your sense of identity, your sense of meaning, your sense of purpose all comes to you not through your own psychological desires, your desire for self-gratification and your beliefs about yourself and your desire and your autonomy to do certain or want to do certain things, you know, basically the the modern autonomy doctrine. No, no, you those things came to you in the context of your place within the community and the hierarchy which governed community. So you were not a radical, autonomous, self-choosing individual. That's not how you saw yourself. And what that also meant, very importantly, was that permissions for particular behaviours were not yours solely to make. They were things that were acted out within the context of a community, a tribal community. And you weren't simply an autonomous, 
self-choosing individual. That's the modern mindset. That is not the mindset that would have existed prior to the arrival of Europeans. In fact, even with the arrival of Europeans, that wasn't our mindset in the West. It's only really very recently that Enlightenment liberalism has really fully given birth to the full extent of this radical autonomy doctrine. Secondly, the notion that there was no stigma associated with abortion, I would really question whether that's true or not, because if I understand Mauridom correctly, they viewed the womb and life in the womb as hapu, as sacred. And there's a there's a really quite a, a powerful line of thought about all of this within Mauridom. So I think it's highly doubtful that you would have people just having abortions on a whim and that no one would bat an eyelid about this or that you could just choose to do this yourself without regard to the rest of the tribe. And more importantly, that there would be no stigma associated with an abortion that was carried out as some form of violation of tribal authority. So if you said, well, I'm just going to do this, consequences be damned, it seems to me that you would actually be very stigmatized by the tribe or maybe family as a result of doing that. Now, there's no doubt that abortion would have happened within pre-European Mauridom, but it seems to me that the three reasons it would have taken place would have been either A, for some sort of therapeutic reason, so it was deemed to be the thing that you did to save someone's life, or number two, there might have been some pure, hard sort of survival utilitarianism involved, the idea that maybe there hadn't been a particularly good harvest, and so they didn't quite have enough food to feed any more mouths, so you would kill children in order to actually try and keep the tribe alive. That's how important the tribe and the tribe as an identity, as opposed to the radical autonomous self-choosing individual was, by the way. Or thirdly, it seems to me that maybe there could have even been some sort of eugenic component involved. So if the child was deemed to be of the wrong kind for some reason, maybe it didn't have the right, to, I don't know, bloodline, or maybe it looked like it might have a condition or a disability. So there was a eugenic component. It seems to me these are the reasons why abortion would have been practiced. But the notion that people would have just been wandering around saying, well, I want to have a social abortion because I believe that it's my bodily right to do that, it is absolutely dubious to the point of being nonsensical to suggest that that was the norm within pre-European Māoridom. Life in the womb was sacred. Children were a sacred gift. The tribe was essential, and the existence of tribal, you know, whakapapa and lineage was essential, and they understood very clearly, like we have lost sight of today, that having children was the guarantee of your future, and it was the strength of your tribe. It is highly doubtful, the claim that is being made here, the suggestion that the modern extreme approach to abortion is consistent with how Māoridom viewed abortion. Number two is the claim that they were practicing, let me read to you from the actual document itself, Māori people initiated safe and effective abortions. Is that really true though? Were these practices truly safe? And the reason I ask about that is because we know that the number of backstreet abortion deaths decreased dramatically Prior to any law changes which liberalised abortion, this is the narrative you will hear from pro-choice 
ideologues and pro-choice activists as they will claim that the liberalisation of abortion laws was what resulted in saving women's lives from backstreet abortion deaths. But that's actually not true at all. We've got really good reliable data showing that well before abortion laws were being liberalised in the West, we were seeing marked and massive decreases in the number of women dying as a result of backstreet abortion deaths. So what's going on there? While there's been a massive advance in medical technology, in particular from really sort of the mid-1900s onwards, is the widespread use and easy availability of things like antibiotics. So you can actually treat infections. And all of a sudden, not as many women are dying of pregnancy-related causes, childbirth, or from infections that they've got as a result of a backstreet abortion. So the claim that this was actually driven by liberalisation is not correct. That's the first thing. But secondly, what that points to is that even in the West, with the advanced medical technology possessed by Westerners who came to New Zealand, it was still about 150 years later that you what you might call safe abortion, and of course it's not safe for the unborn child ever who loses their life, but the notion of what you might call a safe abortion, that was just not something that existed even back then. So it's highly doubtful to me that you could claim the practices that were going on pre-European arrival would be considered safe in the context of how we use that word safe in the modern medical context. Number three is this claim in the document. Let me read to you. The Abortion Legislation Act 2020, in combination with the principles of Te Tiriti o Waitangi, provides whānau, hapu and iwi with the opportunity to revitalise their older knowledges and practices for abortion. That's a rather interesting and I think concerning statement, isn't it? Because this seems to be implying that the Abortion Legislation Act 2020 in the eyes of the New Zealand Ministry of Health would open up a pathway for pre-medicalised abortion practices to be used on Māori women. Am I reading that wrong? Maybe they don't mean that. And this is one of those cases where they haven't actually been very careful with their words. Maybe what they really mean is that we'll let you do certain customary things, but we won't let you do anything that is associated with the sort of the biological, physiological realities of abortion. But this is a rather strange and concerning statement. And you can see why they've actually made this statement, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to lie effectively and claim that the Abortion Legislation Act of 2020 was somehow an act of emancipation for Māoridom and Māori women in particular. I notice it's quite interesting that they talk about uh, Māoridom and, and abortion in Māoridom in relation to Māori rather than Māori woman. It was quite noticeable a couple of times there because within Māoridom, there clearly was a hierarchy and men were at the top of that hierarchy. They considered women sacred because of their childbearing abilities, but Māori men had more authority in those societies. So again, this notion that the modern autonomy doctrine that drives the modern and much more extreme, radically individualistic focus or approach to abortion is something consistent with Māoridom is just simply not correct. And this brings me to point number four, and that is the eugenic nature that sort of underlies this whole portion of the document. It seems to be celebrating abortion within Moridom and saying that it's actually a good thing to have more 
abortion within Māori dinner. It seems to be something you could read that way, I think. And it's very, very troubling because straight away I thought, well, what about all the non-violent solutions? What about all the caring solutions to unplanned pregnancy that we could bring to Māori communities? Where are they? Where's the conversation about that? Why is there simply this speedy pathway towards the violence of abortion? We know that Māori people are overrepresented in the abortion statistics. So what are we doing to actually address that? What are we doing to address the major needs and social harms which drive Māori women towards abortion? What are we doing to even understand those things let alone bring humane, caring, non-violent solutions into those situations. Here's the thing, and it's rather ironic. What's happening here is effectively a revolutionary lie is being told in this document. The revolutionary lie is that the modern, radical, autonomous, and very extreme ideology regarding abortion is somehow actually the traditional approach to abortion And it's something that before the awful, horrible colonizers arrived in New Zealand, Maoridom would have looked at and said, yes, that's what we do. And they would have recognized themselves and their own culture within the modern pro-abortion culture. That is simply not true. They wouldn't have. It would have been foreign to them. They would not have. In fact, I think they would have looked at a lot of it with absolute horror and probably abject terror at the implications of what it truly meant about a failure to regard and be respectful of the sacredness of human life. This is completely dishonest. The irony in all of this is that in actual fact, what this document is trying to do is propose a new and different form of colonization now. What it's trying to do is to impose and reorder traditional Māoridom and Māori culture along the lines of a modern ideology. It's a form of ideological colonization. It is completely dishonest. And here's the thing. What it also reeks of is this terribly flawed notion that just because something used to happen some time ago, that it might actually be considered okay. So if we go back hundreds of years or thousands of years, lots of people did a certain thing, so surely that means that that thing must be okay. In this case, we are talking here about practices within Māori culture prior to the arrival of the Europeans. What this idea does of looking backwards and saying, well, they used to do a certain thing, so therefore it must actually be okay, and therefore we could go back to doing that thing, is it fails to account for the ethical maturity of a culture. A society can actually grow in its ethical understandings and can have a deepening, a maturing of morality that allows them to become even more humane than what they might have been in previous eras. This is not the mistake of progressivism because it's not guaranteed that that will happen and it doesn't mean that they will progress ethically in a consistent fashion. So one area might actually progress to a greater level of you know, morality and humanity while something else might actually get worse at the same time. And I think we see a lot of that actually in our modern culture. You see moments where things have actually matured ethically in ways that are very good and other areas like, for example, with abortion, where we actually seem to be going backwards to a paganism, which really does view abortion in a similar way that pagan cultures viewed the practice of child sacrifice. 
It was something that was guaranteed to bring you success in your future. Children were not valued as individuals. It's Christianity that gives rise to that idea, the concept of the individual, and in particular, the concept of childhood. That is something that grows directly out of Christianity. And so all of these things, are, you know, I would argue we're sort of moving backwards in this regard, in this area, while we are progressing in other areas. But here's the thing. There's things within Māoridom prior to the arrival of Europeans that we absolutely would not want to go back to. So we know that slavery was practiced. We know that forms of cannibalism were practiced. We know that human sacrifice was practiced. There's no one, I think, in their right mind would argue that we should go back and begin to sort of celebrate, laud, or even participate again and reinstitute those practices simply because they were once practiced. So why is it with abortion this attempt is being made? Well, I think what's happening here is this is an attempt to try and give some sort of cultural kudos and cultural credit, if you like, and legitimacy to an ideology that is actually quite extreme. It's a way of trying to smuggle some very bad, very dangerous and very harmful ideas about how we should or shouldn't treat human beings. It's about smuggling a failure to respect the dignity of human persons into a culture under the guise of claiming that this is actually an enlightened, anti-racist and culturally sensitive thing to do, when I would argue it is nothing of the sorts. And of course, this document is trying to sell abortion as an act of emancipation and liberation for women, when it is actually men who benefit the most from a culture of normalised abortion, because it allows them to sleep with whoever they want to and then take no responsibility whatsoever for their actions and the consequences of their actions, while women are left alone to deal with the risks the suffering, the grief of an abortion that has ended the life of their unborn child simply because they were abandoned by men who are being endorsed to do so by a culture which tells us that this very form of heinous and uncaring abandonment that ends in violence is somehow an act of female liberation and emancipation and it's a truly good thing to do. And that same culture allows these men the freedom to dress up their virtuous acts of irresponsibility and callous disregard for women and unborn children as somehow being feminist and pro-woman when they are nothing of the sorts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, live by goodness, truth and beauty, not by lies. And I will see you next time on The Dispatches. On the Clock is brought to you by Left Foot Media. Support our important independent media work at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia with just $5 or more per month and you'll receive exclusive access to our full-length patrons-only episode of the Dispatches podcast every single week. That's patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Link is in the show notes. <laughs>